Welcome into the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Eager, and joining me on this, is it a good Saturday? Day after Good Friday, the day before Easter, Ben Brown. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing well. I do agree. I think it is probably good Saturday. I'm not quite sure what the you know correct definition is at this point in time, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. We got some FCS action. Uh, we can talk a little bit about maybe some NFL win totals. I know the forecast already touched on that a little bit, and then uh, maybe we can preview uh, you know a little bit of our take on uh, some of these mock drafts here coming up. So I'm excited. What do you got for me, Eric? For FCS, let's dive right in. We're gonna have these games coming up here in a few hours, so. Yeah, give us give us some winners finally from last week. I guess maybe we should recap last week just a little. Yeah, bit Yeah, we had Citadel under sixty and a half. That game clo- that game went to got to sixty two. Um, second half under hit, but the first half um, game was moving okay. It was seventeen nothing. I think midway through the second quarter, a lot of scoring at the end of the first half, which kind of tanked that. We had San Diego under forty nine and a half, which was basically rocking chair. At the end, we did see a touchdown. Um, that was a, a little that that made it a Gave little a dicey. little bit of a sweat, but it yeah, was yeah. exactly and and but that one but went it under. got us to the window. That's right. And then over forty four for Western Carolina. That game got to thirty one at halftime, and we were in a position where uh, or thirty four at halftime. We can't even remember. And then we got in a position where there was a field goal that was necessary to at least get a push, and the ball went right through the holder's hands. Uh, and and we we ended the game, I right. believe, at forty one. Um, so that, that was unfortunate, but we move on and, and my favorite game of the weekend is a game that's going to start here at noon Eastern, uh, 11, where I currently am in Wisconsin, uh, Villanova traveling to Maine, Maine's weather today, a little cold still, um, you know, both of these teams have not played that much. Uh, and I think, you know, some of the EPA values are a little bit higher, especially on defense for both these teams, but a 65 and a half total in an FCS game to me. Always indicates for me to bet the under. So I'm going to go under 65 and a half here. uh, Villanova at Maine. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with you. I do think like um, the market has kind of been correct on some of these teams starting off the season on, you know, games where they should probably have a higher total. I think I'm thinking of like Eastern Washington, Incarnate Word, those types of teams. They've been consistently at these really high totals. Maine's had four games. This is going to be their fourth game. Their other three games have been at 44 and a half. Uh, 52 and a half, 47 and a half, which is just an egregious change, basically. Villanova's kind of had the same thing. 53 and a half point total in their first game, 52 and a half point. Now all of a sudden we're sitting at a 65 and a half point game. So both teams have kind of had over a two touchdown increase in their uh, prior totals coming up on this game. So I do think that's definitely a spot. The market's probably overcorrected way too much. I think under 65 and a half um, is definitely a viable play. So I'm with you on that. I think that's going to start off our you know Saturday morning slate here on FCS with the winner. So I'm excited about that one. I have one more for you then. I'm going with Presbyterian over Stenson. Uh, Presbyterian's on the road. Three and a half points is what it opened at. It's down to two and a half points right now. Uh, Presbyterian's been quite good, I think. They've covered basically um, four of their five games. I think the one game that kind of got blown out by Davidson uh, late in the match. I think Davidson had, what, three touchdowns or something in the fourth quarter to kind of extend and push out that lead. But other than that, Presbyterian's been um, kind of battling here. I do think that they should probably be closer to um, you know, the opening spread here of three and a half, maybe even three. So I do think if you're getting two and a half, uh, that's definitely a viable play. And I do think that is another one that is going to be getting us to the window here on Saturday. 
Yeah, absolutely. That Davidson game, by the way, we were on Davidson, I believe, and yep. it was like a four-point spread. And Pres- <clears throat> excuse me, Presbyterian had a lead in that game in the third quarter. Davidson piled it on at the end. So they've been competitive. I, I like that bet a lot, Ben. Um, and, you know, again, <clears throat> with the market <clears throat> sort of moving on these teams, you know, line movement has been sort of weird this year. The fact that you can get Presbyterian at minus two and a half through the key number of three, <clears throat> even though it's a road game, I, I really do like that there. Um, awesome. So, okay, let's move on to the moneymaker here, though, the NFL. DraftKings Sportsbook just released win totals. We've seen actually some movement. I tweeted out uh, sort of in a, a funny fashion how the Vikings um, had been uh, a a play where the under was minus 150. Now the under uh, eight and a half is plus 103. So some people right. are liking the Vikings right now. Some places have stayed more pat, especially me and George's pick, our first of the year, which was Atlanta Falcons over seven at minus 143. Ben, what do you like among these uh, these win totals? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like what you and George put out there. Uh, Atlanta Falcons over seven. I know you're paying a little bit of juice there, but I do think they're a team that's probably going to finish uh, second in the NFC South. I do think they'll easily kind of sail over this total. The only real risk I do think is probably them pushing at seven wins, right? So I think um, them not, you know, kind of sitting on, you know, an actual total as opposed to the point five. I do think is a viable play. So I really like the Falcons. I got to get your opinion on two teams that I've been uh, quite high on basically this whole off season. Maybe I'm a little bit too much here. I do think we looked, you know, some at our, you know, initial simulation results this week. We were, that simulation was kind of lower on these teams. So I'm kind of trying to take a step back, maybe understand a little bit more about what I'm missing. But the Cincinnati Bengals, Jacksonville Jaguars, both six and a half uh, win total. Jacksonville's at plus 100. Uh, Cincinnati has basically the even juice minus 110 on the over and the under. I like both these teams. I kind of like both these teams as sneaky playoff contenders as well. I do think they could easily get over the six and a half points. Obviously, Jacksonville's in uh, possibly one of the worst divisions in all of football. The Bengals might be in one of the best divisions in all of football as well. So maybe that's a little bit of consideration. But is there something I'm missing for why I shouldn't be as high on either of these two teams as I am right now, Eric? No, in our initial simulation, we have the Bengals uh, about 7.3 wins. So over would be about 65%. Now, it's tricky to do these simulations right now because you don't have the correlation week to week. So bad teams sort of like you don't have the thing spiraling out of control and a lot of the rating systems compiling being bad or being good, by the way. That's another one. So win totals are, are often shrunk towards the middle. We have produced a variable here. I want to get your opinion on this um, for whether or not we think a team is tanking, which right. is sort of how our, our win total. Like, so, for example, right now we've projected Detroit uh, and Houston um, to be quite low this year. Um, we have uh, Detroit at 4.9 wins, which is right where the market is, and Houston at 5.3. The one that's interesting is we've actually put a tag on Philadelphia um, as well, and we have them at 5.4, the market more uh, around 7 for them, which I think is a, is a little bit um, – no, 6.5 now, which, which I think makes a little bit of sense. But we're still going to be lower on them because we don't think necessarily they're – they're not not trying to win, but like sort of a a team that where I could see it getting really going south early, a la the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets last year. We were thinking to yourself, okay, this team is really looking for that first pick next year. Right. Um, 
I, but I, I do like right. the Cincinnati yeah, over for sure. I think, I think that that one um, uh, really does have legs with Joe Burrow in year two, possibly Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase at pick five. Uh, a very good one there. Um, one that I'll, I'll sort of think about here uh, when we're looking at uh, these totals um, that I I just can't support this right now. I you know when I look at and let me make sure I have the numbers here um, with the Washington football team. Um, when I when I look at the Washington football team. I see um, – actually, we do have them about eight wins. That's where the market is. However, if you if you want to look at sort of the, the things that can go wrong for them, um, you know, we're still looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, uh, and right. we have them going under about 40% of the time. It's plus 110. Um, to me, the only place you can go on this particular bet is under. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I would really like to see it at eight and a half if I was going to take the under. Uh, but you are getting that plus money at under eight. Um, but I'm with you. I know there's been quite a bit of hype about Ryan Fitzpatrick actually joining Washington. I do think he's an upgrade at quarterback, but I do think he's a guy that the market tends to um, overvalue, especially on a game-to-game basis. But I do think that's going to be reflected in Washington's win total as well. Um, I think you know t- people look at him, they see some of these heroic throws heroic covers and things like that and that kind of plays into the mentality that the public really wants to back them so i think you're going to see um probably some inflated numbers for them i i did kind of like you know backing them um initially and maybe you know the nfc east at this point in time i do think that they probably you know should be that second team behind dallas but i do think dallas probably has a little bit of value um as opposed to kind of fading washington at this point i know that's going against some things that i've written earlier but after thinking about it a little bit more i do think that um they're kind of turning into a public team with ryan fitzpatrick and i do think that that's going to make them just a little bit overvalued probably throughout the whole 2021 season so i don't mind fading them um, initially here on their win total for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're allowed to change your opinion when the, the prices change. I mean, the, the right, fact is, is right. Dallas um, was minus 110 uh, to win the division just a few weeks ago. Um, they're now plus 105. Um, Washington was plus 400 to win the division just a few weeks ago. And now they're plus 275. I mean, those, you know, right. th- those are not insignificant changes. And so you could like Washington at plus four, you know, plus 400 um, and not like them shy of plus 300 uh, that that's completely consistent um you know you can like uh you know minnesota as i did at you know plus 500 and be right. a little bit skeptical of them at plus 400 although i like them at plus 400 um i'm gonna add a little vikings love to the conversation which is a rarity for me um in, in this but but i think they are undervalued a team like that you know i think has more than an you know a break-even probability of 20 percent to win that division for sure um right. okay Let's look now at the draft. Um, we've been, you know, keeping along. Uh, we actually did get Ben a little bit of market resistance against our pick. So if you haven't followed along, we've taken Zach Wilson to be the second overall pick at minus one sixty-seven. That right now, um, he is minus a thousand to be the second pick. So that's a that's that's a great development for us. We have taken Jamar Chase about minus one fifty to be the first wide receiver chosen. He is now minus four hundred. That is. Uh, very good movement for us. We've taken Javante Williams plus 700 to be the first running back. Um, that got down to plus 300. It's back to plus 400, but still good movement. I don't think I'd bet plus 400, by the way. I no. do think um, there are teams in the NFL, and there are people within the NFL that I've talked to who believe Javante Williams is the best running back in the league, in the in, sorry, in the draft, but they are not going to, they're not, 
they're not going to take a running back in round one. So it's doesn't nece- it's not necessarily all that relevant. You know what I'm saying? Like it just takes one right. team to believe Najee Harris is a first round pick to make your Javante Williams bet go away. That being said, at plus seven hundred, very much worth it. I do. I will say this: last week we piled on a little bit on Patrick Sertan minus one eighty nine to be the first corner taken. Uh, we got out ahead of that. We had JC Horn at plus eight hundred to be the first corner taken. Now it's plus three hundred. Sertan now minus three hundred five. What's the reason for that? Caleb Farley is now plus eight hundred. He was the co favorite to be the first corner taken, and now uh, Ben he is falling fast. Yeah. PFF is always looking out for you, partnering with some of the best opportunities in the sports betting landscape. Um, my favorite here has been Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. They're basically the stock market for sports. They allow you to trade sports teams uh, like the stock market. You can earn cash payouts when your team wins. Um, it's kind of been this interesting blend between the stock market um, and a way to actually invest and profit off of your favorite teams. Free NFL free agencies obviously uh, changed some things in the symbol markets. Some teams have risen. Obviously, the Washington football team uh, with the signing of Ryan Fitzpatrick have been on the move um, from a symbol perspective. But there are some undervalued teams that I still think are going to make some splashes here uh, post-free agency coming up on the draft. Teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously going to have Trevor Lawrence, but they're a team that had you know a pretty productive free agency as well. So I do think it's a spot where you definitely want to get involved in that stock market uh, game. Use promo code PFF if you deposit ten dollars at Symbol, um, you're going to earn a free PFF annual subscription. That's po- promo code PFF with a ten dollar deposit. Symbol.com going to get you a free annual subscription. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wrote up this art. I think I wrote it up basically last week at that point. I think Patrick Sertan was minus 150. He had moved out from plus 110, kind of like you mentioned with Caleb Farley before the injury to Caleb Farley, before Patrick Sertan's pro day where he, you know, basically measured probably slightly above expectation even at that point in time, pushed out to minus 150. I didn't think, you know, I don't necessarily love Patrick Sertan as the first cornerback off the board, but I did think the market was probably going to continue to buy in and invest him. And we are seeing that at this point in time reflected out um, him moving out to minus 305. I just think it's, you know, a separation of the fact that um, JC Horan is going to probably be a really good cornerback in the NFL, but I think he just doesn't have some of the, you know, stuff that he did in college to make him the first overall cornerback. So I think that's why we're kind of seeing the market move against him. I do kind of like JC Horn, you know, to potentially emerge as the best cover cornerback in this draft, but I don't think that's necessarily going to make him uh, the first cornerback selected. I do think Patrick Stan has, you know, basically the ideal skill set for a team um, to take. He obviously has the pedigree, name recognition, things like that. So I do think we'll see him as the number one cornerback off the board. Um, we'll see, you know, kind of how it emerges as far as who actually develops as the best cornerback in this class. Um, I still kind of like, you know, Caleb Farley going back to it, JC Horn, those types of players I think could potentially turn out to be, um, you know, really good as well. So I kind of like this cornerback class yeah. as well. We kind of needed a little bit from the defensive side to kind of hold up, you know, hold down some of those totals here, I think, in 2021. So Ab- Absolutely. And, and, and Ben and I are going to be uh, publishing a market implied mock draft this week, which is, you know, PFF likes to we like to publish mock drafts that we like sort of the disclaimer that this is how we would do it, not necessarily trying to predict what's going to happen. The market implied mock is probably going to be the most predictive mock we've had. Um, And, you know, this movement matters. I mean, Farley falling below Horn 
Um, but at the same time, probably still being a first round pick, um, you know, we're going to use that. If you look at, for example, the number of cornerbacks taken in round one over three and a half is minus 177. So, you know, you're looking at Horn, you're looking at Barley, probably locks to go round one, but then you have like somebody like Greg Newsom, uh, who, who might go a little bit later, um, safety market here over a half a safety, which I think is Trayvon Morig, you know, the right. overwhelming favorite minus 400 or so to be the first safety taken that's minus 278. So they're, so it's sort of shaping out to look like, okay, four corners in round one, one safety. But th- I, I find that, you know, when, when building this, the, the, the most interesting, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, um, you know, movements here, as far as like, we, we get new markets it is this first non-quarterback selected. Kyle Pitts currently the favorite at plus 125. Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell both plus 200, despite Panay Sewell's drop a little bit yesterday due to his pro day. He's now minus 625 to be the first lineman taken. Um, followed by Micah Parsons at 14 to 1. Patrick Stan at 20 to 1. That leads us to this interesting thing with the defensive side of the ball, where Micah Parsons is currently favored to be the first defensive player taken at minus 134. Patrick Sertan second at plus 175. Quiddy Pay and JC Horn at eight to one and nine to one respectively. So it is really a two-person race here. And when I when I started looking at how to build this market implied mock, it was all the way until pick ten before I right. re- before I saw first defender. And it's kind of interesting, right, Ben? You Dallas is that that pick ten. They kind of have two starting linebackers. They need a starting corner. Pick eleven is the Giants, who I can see taking Parsons. Do these flip flop Ben? Do we should we be betting into Sertan at plus one seventy five to be the first defender taken? Yep, I definitely think we do. I was kind of waiting for this market to develop to develop when I was, um, you know, writing up the cornerback market. But I was going to say in that article that I do think Patrick Sertan at a plus price is going to be the first uh, defensive player off the board. I think we kind of hit it in this market implied mock that um, we're going to see basically all offensive players in the first nine picks. Um, you know, it kind of depends on what we, what you anticipate happening as far as a trade. But I do think we're going to see uh, five quarterbacks probably go in those first nine picks. That's something that we basically discussed back when Mac Jones was what eighteen and a half um, point or eighteen and a half pick total um, to go. You know, where was he going to be drafted? I did think that we would see all five quarterbacks go in the top fifteen, maybe even the top ten. That mar- the market's kind of moving in that direction. So, um, you know, with the first defensive pick, I do think it's going to be Dallas. I think they are in a position where they think they can win now. They're basically thinking, you know, we're kind of a cornerback away from dominating the NFC East. So I think we're going to see Patrick Sertan at pick 10. It's a spot where, you know, if a team moves up uh, to maybe select like Micah Parsons in the top 10, that's going to be, a, you know, a situation that's basically ridiculed from all draft experts at this point in time. So I do think we'll see, you know, Patrick Sertan at pick 10, Micah Parsons at pick 11. And then that's kind of maybe going to start a little bit of a, you know, defensive run, offensive tackle run, those sorts of situations. So that's yep. kind of what I'm leaning towards. And I do kind of like that um, direction for our market implied mock, mock draft as well. Yeah, the the offensive tackle market's crazy right now. Currently, uh, this is another one where I think, you know, that it's bettable. The number of offensive linemen in the draft is six and a half over last time I checked was minus 150. The number of wide receivers, by the way, Ben, four and a half over is minus 200. So, you sort of see that Waddle, Chase, Smith, Bateman, and then the next guy, right? The next right. most likely guy, by the way, is Terrace Marshall Terrace of Marshall. LSU. 
But then that leaves out Rondell Moore. That leaves out Kadarius right. Tony. That leaves out Elijah uh, Moore. Elijah Moore. All those guys. Um, by the way, if you're the Falcons too, and you want a wide receiver at four, and you don't want to take Pitts, who is the favorite to go at that spot, you can you can almost think to yourself, okay, we have Pitts at four, and then we can come back early second round and take a wide receiver because the market's shaping out as though those guys will be available. Kind of an interesting right. development there uh, for the Atlanta Falcons if they want to go all in on offense. But um, yeah, th- this is I- interesting stuff. I know you know one of the biggest movements, we didn't, we'll, we'll touch on it really briefly now as we end the podcast, the first defensive lineman chosen, Quiddy Pay has emerged as basically even money. Um, Gregory Rousseau, who was the favorite, now plus 800, Beneath Jalen Phillips, Jason away, uh, Christian Barmore, who we have bet at plus seven hundred, is now plus eight hundred. So that that dream is probably dead unless the team really wants an interior lineman. Um, but there's a ton of market movement, and I think that that's why you know every week this podcast is going to be pretty fun. And as we lead up to the draft, um, you know there will be uh, you know if the draft goes unexpectedly for us, Ben, it might be a lot of gnashing of teeth. But if it goes expectedly for us, it could be pretty fun. We've gotten a lot of good line movement. Um, as well, you know, for our, some of our bigger bets and some actually uh, movements against us or some of our smaller ones. So, it, so is life. And, uh, uh, you know, as we move into uh, this week of FCS football, just a reminder that uh, I think what it, what is one of the funnest gambling experiences of the spring is only about three weeks away. Right. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed the NFL draft. Even growing up, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Now the fact that I, you know, have the opportunity to bet and wager on it, uh, it makes it, you know, one of the most exciting events uh, that we can have here. So it's good. And I'm looking forward to it. And I think, you know, I think we're in some really good spots, kind of like you touched on Um, our biggest bets probably so far, you know, have been kind of like the Jamar chases at minus 167, minus 150. So um, I'm feeling pretty good about where we're at. Hopefully, if things don't work out, we can figure out a way to kind of convert some of our line movement into actual value, even if it's not monetary value at this point. So Right, right. E- eating closing line value for Easter e- Easter dinner. My kids live off of it at this point, which is <laughs> nice. So. That's awesome. All right. So for Ben Brown, this is Eric Eager. This has been the Easter weekend uh, edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast.